Welcome to the Virtual CFO Podcast, where you'll learn how to grow and innovate your business one step at a time from successful business owners. And here's your host, Brad Turville. Hi there, it's Brad Turville here and welcome to the Virtual CFO Podcast. This is episode two, so we're well on the way to our first 100 episodes and we've got someone really special on today. I don't really want to fluff around because uh, our chat went for about 50 minutes. There was so much gold, we just couldn't wrap it up quicker. You know, I think this is going to be something that's going to be you know, an ongoing talk, an ongoing relationship where you know we can get David back uh, on the podcast. I don't want to take any shine off what we spoke about. So let's jump straight into it now. So mate, before we get started, I've got the most important question for you. You need to tell me who is your favorite Marvel character? That is a really difficult question. Iron Man. (laughs) Iron Man, you you didn't take too long there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've I've obviously never given that any thought whatsoever. I know it's pretty personal for you, so I apologise for uh, digging deep on that one. You know, I'm not a m- massive Marvel fan, and I know you don't hold it against me, but I... Uh, I, <laughs> I do quietly. <laughs> I do agree with your choice of character there, though. But <laughs> yeah. you're best known for, and what we're going to be talking about today, is your amazing ability to grow and lead sales teams, and you, know, you hold a wealth of knowledge and skill in persuasion and, and sales processes, but... Yeah, before we get to the how, before we jump the gun, you know, let's start with you know when you were younger, because like many business owners, myself included, a lot of our listeners, you know, it's never a straight line from you know when we're younger or when we leave high school or when we decide to make a change to get to where we are today, right? So, you know, what what did that look a little bit like you you know for you? Uh well. You know, I, I started, I guess, my first job in uh, in sales directly. I mean, I, w- I started in, in cafes like a lot of people do in restaurants. And I still to this day think that uh, hospitality is the best breeding ground for salespeople, predominantly because you're faced with so many different scenarios and, you know, ultimately customers in different states. And that's really what selling is at the very highest level and at the very lowest level. So I started in uh, restaurants and I you know, sold sunglasses. I even did a little stint as a, uh, as a, as a plumber. That was interesting. Um, spent a lot of time in the mud there. But uh, when I really started getting into it was when I started working for a call center, uh, a very large call center in, in Melbourne. And uh, you know, I went from selling to managing sales teams to writing sales trainings. Uh, and then the next logical progression for me is a 21-year-old, um, you know, the peak of his call center career uh, as I went to, I moved overseas to Italy and became a violin maker. So uh, that just seemed the right thing to do at the time. So uh, yeah, I went to Italy and made violins for a couple of years, ran away with a French circus. Uh, oh, mate, I'm going to have to pull you up there. You can't just jump away and drop a couple of bombshells like that going. <laughs> Going from the you know the headset in the call center in the cubicle to uh, making violins in Italy and being part of a, a traveling circus, most most <laughs> listeners will will think you're full of it, but um, I can actually vouch vouch for the story. How how does that decision come about? Um, and and you know why? I'm not the only one. I still ask you that question, and I know why, but I'm going to ask you again. Well, you know, I, I think when it comes down to when it comes down to it, it's not like I sort of sat there and 
Um, a lot of these things, like most business owners, it's not it's not necessarily a, a conscious decision, but a series of you know small steps that you know you all of a sudden find yourself in a different country or doing something that you never thought you'd do. I certainly never made the decision to uh, be a, a sales you know expert or trainer at any point, any more than I did to become a, a violin maker. But you know, I always wanted to live overseas for a little while and. You know, I'm always just I've always been interested in in, um, in customer psychology and people psychology and behavior. And, you know, I um, it, it just, you know, that that interest took me through to Italy because uh, I was I was making violins as a hobby in the morning before my real job. And then somebody told me about this school and it just seemed like a really good opportunity to get to know other cultures and other people. And, you know, I was meant to be there for six months and I came back five years later. So that's that's what happened there. And you know, the, the circus thing, that was kind of funny. I used to I used to juggle in in my spare time. It was about the only thing that didn't cost me anything because I was a very poor student. I didn't have to, I didn't have any money for hobbies. So I learned how to juggle and then uh, on one summer vacation I was down at the beach in the south of Italy and I bumped into this uh, this French circus. We didn't have a common language, but we could all juggle. So we <laughs> that's how we communicated and uh, that was a that was a, a beautiful story, but that that that's sort of pretty different from what I wound up coming back to. So when I came back from that trip, more importantly, uh, you know, I, I had a whole bunch of experience, but no money and and no real prospects. And you know, I tried to get a job, and I, you know, what was available was paying a lot less than what I thought that I was worth, which you know might have been <laughs> might have been an arrogant thing. I don't know, but you know the idea of going back into a call center and working for a horrendous, you know, um, self-obsessed boss who was, you know, on, on drugs half the time it didn't really appeal to me all that much. So I, you know, I started uh, I started looking into building a business, and and that's what that business is what became Discover Coaching as it is today in its current form. That was about yeah, geez, two thousand and nine now. Well, well, we'll get to Discover Coaching and how that came around and some of the things you do in there in a minute. Um, you came back from overseas. You didn't like what you were doing, but there were a couple of things that happened, and there was, you know, a particular seminar that you heard about that you went to, which was full of, uh, I think you call it a lot of suits yep. Um, yep. that ended up, you know, um, you know, being a point in your life where it's starting to open your eyes a little bit. Why don't you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, so I, I know exactly what you're referring to. It was um, it was the the, the time I I first uh, it was probably the first seminar I ever attended, and it was so I'd I'd been uh, looking at some solutions on how to get you know get some money and be able to feed myself and hopefully you know etch out a bit of a, a life for myself. And so I, I'd been looking at at trading and I'd been studying options trading because it seemed like you know the the uh, the most legitimate form of gambling that I could find, and uh, it was all about the short term gains for me back then when I first come back. And uh, you know I went to open this this uh, trading account, and they they said, look tonight only there's a special on if you put a thousand dollars into this account that you're opening with us right now, we'll give you a free ticket to uh, go see uh, Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street. And I said, who the hell's that? Never heard of him. Hadn't read any of the books, and uh, so I, I went and borrowed a thousand dollars from someone, dumped it in an account, so I could pull it back out the next night and get my free ticket. And off I went. I went to this uh, this seminar, and I couldn't believe it. There was about 
800 people in the room and every single one of them were, you know, dressed like they, they worked at, uh, you know, they, they all looked like they worked at Telstra actually. You know, like they, they were kind of uh, very serious looking, very, uh, you know, they had plenty of bling all over them and it was just, it was actually pretty foreign to me. And I sat through this seminar and I couldn't believe it. I mean, I'd never, I'd never heard somebody uh you know, speak so elegantly about this thing that's, that's persuasion and, and sales, which I'd, you know, now had been training people for about eight years. And just the way he articulated certain uh, strategies just really resonated with me. So I, you know, I've made it my mission to at some point get in a room with this guy, this, uh, you know, this rags to riches, back to rags and back to riches story. Uh, if you know Jordan's story, it's a, it's a little bit like that. And, you know, I made it my, my life's mission to, to have a conversation with him at some point. So that became my biggest point of focus. It was actually incredibly inspiring as a um, someone in my, you know, I was in my mid-20s then and hearing his story and, and what he'd done was, was enough to really stick a fire under, under my rear end, as they say. Well, you know, I guess a lot of people uh, are probably thinking, you know, now, well, you know, how how do you create, you know, how do you get in contact with with someone like that, whether it's a, a Jordan or or any one of this sort of, you know, bigger, grander, let's maybe call it celebrity status that 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 maybe they looked up to as a as a mentor or someone they can learn something from, and you know, I guess in in your case, and correct me if I'm wrong, you you basically just just had a crack and you, you know, it's common um, that if you, you know, if you ask, then, you know, you, you shall receive. And, um, you know, I guess for you, 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 you tried and, you know, if, if, if the answer had to be no, well, you still would have been in the same position. You'd be no worse off, but that wasn't the case. You put a bit of time and effort into piecing something together to, you know, grasp his, his, his attention and, you know, it paid off. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I, I think that, that that's a big one. You, it's the old um, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, you, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. There is, a, there is a part of that which is, you know, if you, you, you can't get a sale unless you ask for it. So, yes, I did have a crack. But I think it comes down to something a little bit more important than that. So, so as, as you know, I've, you know I've, I've since worked with Jordan and uh, on multiple occasions and uh, done a lot of training with him and actually uh, represented his, his training system in Australia for a long time and we're partners now. And so I, I think one of the most commonly, commonly asked questions is, is that, how did you get in contact with it? How did you make it? I, I think it comes back to something I learned from someone way before that because Jordan wasn't actually my first business mentor. My first business mentor was the was actually the founder of uh, the largest outsourced contact center provider in the Southern Hemisphere, and uh, that was uh, a guy named uh, Kevin Panozza who, who founded Salesforce, and he was a brilliant mentor. But one of the things that I learned from Kevin when he was building, the, you know, what what became the empire of, of Salesforce was that people spend a lot of time thinking about what they want as a salesperson and this is you know part of the scourge of most sales people and even a lot of sales trainers which i find offensive you know people train themselves how to most elegantly put forward their position you know how do i most delicately convince you to do what i want you to do which is such a, a an unfortunate way of of living life and certainly an unfortunate and, and not very successful way of selling. So when it came to Jordan, you know, I was sitting in the room and where 
I, I, I reckon 799 people were thinking, what can I get from this guy? All I was thinking was, what's the angle that I can come at this guy at in terms of what he wants? And there was this moment, and it, he said it in passing, there was this moment where he kind of um, he referred to the fact that his, his current sales force in Australia wasn't doing wasn't living up to the expectation. So he was working with a call center and they were filling his rooms, but they weren't doing a good job. And he just mentioned it at just as a, you know, it was a flash in the pan. And that was the biggest takeaway I took away from the three hour seminar. I wrote it down immediately. It was like, right, that's it. That's the thing. And, uh, and I think that the following day I, I crafted this really long email and sent it off to his team. I found a, a contact, an email online for him and it was effectively saying, look, um, Jordan, I can put together – I've got a history of putting together very successful sales teams. Let us let us build your sales for you. You know, we understand the Australian market. Let us do it. Now, the, the, the best part of the story is I didn't actually have a sales team at the time. Um, so, so I think the second lesson is, you know, sell it before you've built it in some cases works really well. Um, to my surprise, he actually responded personally. He actually rang me one day. And just started asking me about my story, and that's where it all started. And um, so I, I think that's really the lesson. And, and I've since used this exact method with a lot of you know business personalities, celebrities all around the world. That's how we worked. How we wound up working with um, Yahoo. It's how we wound up working with Etihad. Uh, you know, it's this. This is what's taken our business to the to the Middle East. It's taken us to to America. You know, all over Australia. And it's really that shift in the way you approach a customer. It's not about convincing them to, to buy what you've got. It's about finding out what it is that they need and seeing if there's a match with your solution. I think that's a really, really important thing to that business owners need to keep in mind. Yeah, definitely. And you bring up a, a few good points there about, you know, the angle that you managed to to see through in Jordan, even though it was just this one little snippet that he said that that probably no one else in the room even heard. They probably heard everything else but that and you were, you know, you were the person that that heard that and that was that was your angle and you were, you know, I guess able to identify, you know, a a, a pain point for him, something that was missing that okay, well, maybe you didn't have the full solution for him, but you were able to, let's call it, pre-sell him on it. It, it, it gave you that opportunity to get him on a, get him on a call and, um, and you went from there. So, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I guess just quickly, you know, a bloke like that, like, like Jordan and, and even Kevin Panoz, you know, they, they think differently from, from the large you know, majority out there. And, you know, I guess for Jordan, putting aside certain events, you know, it's fair to say that, you know, they, people like that think, think bigger than most. You know, they're, they're playing the, the bigger game on a grander scale, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think that that kind of visionary gene is, is important. Uh, you know, if, if that's the kind of business you want to create, I think at the same time it's, it's important to clarify what a vision actually is because, you know, a vision doesn't necessarily mean, you know, uh, it, it's not necessarily about changing the entire world. You know, as Brendan Bouchard says, it's, I, I love Brendan Bouchard. He's one of my favorite digital marketers. He said it's not, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't change the world as long as you change somebody's world. So, you know, I think having a, a clear vision whether it be on a global or a local level, is important to that level of success. But, uh, yeah, no, Kevin and, and Jordan are certainly 
They are incredibly big thinkers, and I think even more importantly than that, they are able to they're able to inspire bigger thinking in other people. You know, and as a as a coach, you know, part of our business is executive coaching as well as our sales training, and I think that's one of the most important uh, gifts that we can give to our clients: it's helping them think more broadly, think bigger than what they're what they're thinking. And and you know, those guys are great examples of, of being able to do that. Yeah, yeah, well, so many different angles we could we could go right now. So many hours of <laughs> of conversation that we could just delve into. But let's pull it back onto the the straight line. Um, so, discover coaching uh, your business. You know, how did that get off the ground? Where did it come from? And you know, what's it all about? Because you know, like you said before, you've worked with some pretty amazing brands. So, you know, tell us about your business. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Discover Coaching is is a bit of an evolution. We so we've been in sales coaching and training and leadership development for fifteen years. Um, so Discover Coaching was um, built in two thousand and nine in its current form, uh, and it was really just the culmination of you know a lot of experience and a lot of uh, different systems that we'd learnt over the years and bringing them together um, for for sort of one one offering. Ultimately, you know, businesses. You know, without sales, a business without sales is a hobby, and this is and it's the cornerstone of what every small, medium, and large business need. So, you know, we found that that meeting that need was the most important one that we could we could uh, fulfill. You know, in, as our contribution to the to the, the business landscape. And so, yet for as I said, for for fifteen years, uh, but most specifically since two thousand nine, so about six years, uh, we've been training. Uh, companies on how to sell, how to engage with their customers, uh, how to market to their customers, how to speak digitally to their their customers, and you know, and really how to build and attract really great, motivated, high performance sales teams, people who really want to be doing the job, you know, rather than using it as a stepping stone to do what they really want to do when they grow up. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And you know. Okay. Speaking digitally, like you said, you know, I guess that now falls into you know the concept or the the product um, that, that that you've named mass persuasion, um, which I guess is you know something recently you've been working on. You know, why don't why don't you tell us a little bit about you know what what this is and and I guess you know what 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 would someone get from from doing this as a part you know um, compared to say executive coaching um, or some of the other delivery models that you have. Sure. So so. Um so mass persuasion really came about because we were dealing with a lot of a lot of clients um, more and more around the world who wanted live sales training and didn't have either the the time uh, or the resources to necessarily pay for a team of people to go over do the training you know take the seven weeks that it would take to to upskill a, a sales force or a sales individual didn't matter so we uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, my our, our ops, our head of ops, and, and I um, sat down. and We said, "Right, we're going to do this," and we took about uh, nine months off, and we just shot our entire um, sales training, and we we put it in this digital format so that we could we could offer it out to our clients around the world. And you know, it turned out that our clients started asking for that more than the live training because it was just something that they could digest and then rewatch and all the rest of it. So, you know, this is just the way the world's going now. Um, being able to, to learn at your own pace whenever you want, especially something as, as integrated as sales, 
is just more and more important. Um, so, so we found that mass persuasion is, is really handy like that. You know, it's it's the the it's every powerful sales framework from around the world, which you know either I've studied personally or we've worked in. It's you know it's the frameworks that that enterprise level sales guys in in New York selling million dollar products use. You know exactly what structure they use. It's you know we also go through structures that small businesses selling seven dollar you know, newspapers use and we just step people through every single element and perspective that, you know, that they can use to create a, a sales offering for their product and, you know, take the, the money problem out of out of business. So we find it really a really effective medium to, to deliver something like sales. And the other cool thing about it is um, now every time we go in and do executive coaching or live training, we'll now often start with with the with mass persuasion with the online mass persuasion course so that when we go into a client their sales force or their the individuals trying to learn to become really great salespeople already have a good platform to uh to to start with which means we can s- stick to more advanced you know frame control on negotiation strategies and uh and we we just find it incredibly effective it's it's been a really rewarding experience actually yeah, for sure. I mean, and there's there's so many key points of that that you bring up things around, you know, automation, around, you know, productizing intellectual property, which, you know, a lot of, let, let's generalize it, service-based businesses, you know, really struggle with. And, and as you know, a, a lot of them have this wealth of knowledge that they've learned over years and years. But at the end of the day, there's only, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day. And, you know, if, 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 it's the problem with, service-based businesses is, you know, if you were to bill out 24 hours, that's that's all you can do. All you can do is times 24 hours by an hourly rate, let's call it, um, and you're, you're maxed out. Whereas whereas with a product, um, you know, you're, you're able to basically bottle all of that up. And, and like you said, you can deliver that and then go in with the, the next level, the, the upgrade, the cross-sell, the upsell, um, you know, that's, and that's something that you know uh, someone like um, the the KPI, the key person of influence. You know, one of one yep. of their models is is productizing, and you know, something that that really excites me. And you know, even on the other end of businesses, when when a lot of what I find when a lot of businesses are they're trying to sell the business, whether it's a financial, strategic, they want to retire, whatever the case may be, they haven't bottled up that intellectual property. So there's actually not that much there to sell. Maybe a couple of connections, maybe couple of clients but they're leaving so much you know on the on the table so you know i guess um falling back to 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 sales you know the premise of why we're talking is you know it's fair to say that the average business owner you know is probably probably limiting themselves by not having a sales process and i don't even know that they they need one um and and, and not knowing the, the the basics of you know what what is sales because a lot of people will stereotype it into, you know, like a used car salesman or, you know, that insurance salesman sort of stereotype that's a bit yuck and high pressure. You know, what do you, what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, when, when we go into a, a new business, um, you know, often we'll be working with, with accountants or, or with, uh, you know, uh, professionals, lawyers or, or, you know, recently we were working with a, um, with a company that artificially inseminates cows. So you know we 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 deal with a pretty broad range of of, of people, but one of the most common uh, 
barriers that we come up against is exactly that. You know, we'll walk into a room and people have got these these old conceptions of what what sales and salespeople need to be, and it's something that holds them back because you know if you think that being a salesperson means being a you know 1980s used car scumbag, uh, and then you know someone tells you well you need to learn how to sell because you're not making any money in your company. Uh, then basically what that means is you're giving yourself a message that you have to be a scumbag to make money. And, it, you know, it, it doesn't take too many leaps to, to, to figure out why people fail in business, you know. So there, there is this preconception that, that needs to change for people to be good at it. Selling is, is, the way I look at selling is persuasion, influence, communication, it's all the same thing. It's helping somebody understand what their problem is, what the solution forward is, and whether or not you've got that solution to give. And then it's helping them make that decision. Now, if any of those criteria aren't met, you know, which is they don't have a problem or you don't have a solution or you or they don't want to be helped to move to the next stage, well, then you're in, the, you're in a conversation with the wrong person. So what's important about learning how to communicate effectively is, first of all, learning how to figure out what somebody's need is, you know, exactly what we're talking about with, with Jordan. What are the things that you can perceive about people? You know, how can you increase what we call your sensory acuity? How can you pick up more things that are going to help you notice what pain someone else is suffering or what motivates, what's going to motivate them to, to move to the next level? You know, uh, a, um, a, a health practitioner or a, a personal trainer has to sell his client on being healthier, you know, and they're going to do it in, in one or two ways. If they're good, they're going to, you know, remind them of what happens if they don't do, uh, you know, don't keep going to the gym and remind them of what's going to happen if they do keep going to the gym. You know, that's, that's a very basic, simplified version of what selling is. But ultimately, you know, selling is the cornerstone of every interaction between two people. You know, every major important thing that ever happened, all change starts with a sale somewhere. You know, it's just whether or not you have the, the formal capability to control that outcome. And so that's what it really comes down to. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, based on a few things you said there, you, you know, you could then go, I guess, to that next level of talking about, you know, are they, are they you know, going towards pleasure or away from pain? Yeah. You know, um, are they talking in a certain, you know, modality? Um, you know, what sort, of, what sort of level, you know, do you then go to? And a lot of that is obviously covered off in, in mass persuasion. But, you know, something that I've heard you say um, that, I, that I agree with is that there's, you know, there's 3.2 parts to any business, and I, I actually put this. I whiteboarded this um, <laughs> in a in a yep. in a recent workshop I did on on cloud accounting. And you know, the three point two parts are marketing, sales, delivery. So, I, people getting eyeballs on your business and finding out about your business, converting them to a sale, and then delivery is just what we do. Yeah, um, and the point two being CFO. And and the legal side of the business, yeah, finance and legal, absolutely. And you know what's interesting about all that? I mean, I'm a little biased, obviously, uh, and uh, you probably say the same thing about your industry. But every one of those three point two parts, you know, the how you bring a lead in, how you turn that into a sale, and how you deliver on it, plus the accounting and legal, or the um, you know the, the the things that sit around the, the core business. From my perspective, every single one of those are actually, in fact, driven by an ability to connect with people, you know, and and so it's still those same sales skills. The way you attract a lead needs to 
speak to the exact psychological triggers that a person wants and needs. You know, uh, the way you sell, obviously, turning an intention into an action. And then how you deliver is also completely uh, interlaced with your ability to, to sell. I mean, if you're not if you're not delivering at a high level an experience that's enjoyable, well, then you're missing out on the be- uh, on the you know the best sale of all, which is a resale or what we call a customer for life. So you know that you can't in, in 2015. It's intrinsically uh, inbuilt as a necessity for any business to learn how to sell. You just can't get away with not having that skill anymore. Uh, just like you can't get away with not having a financial basic education you just can't get away with it it's um and i think this is the way more and more that the entire world is going yeah for sh- yeah for sure and you know talking about say small to medium business especially the, the smaller guys you know when they're just starting out or or you know you see the trajectory of of the growth of the business when they're a bit a bit smaller you know they'll hit um you know and i've heard you say before you know you, you can usually hit about half a million dollars turnover without too much effort but then they sort of hit this plateau where they might recede just a little bit and they'll just stay there almost forever and you know um the reason that that is in many cases is there's just a lack of of education or execution in marketing and sales you know the delivery will just tag along the cfo and legals you know, I'm not going to discount CFO. Of course, I'm biased there, but that will tag along, especially if you've got the right people there. Um, and then once you start turning over a couple of million dollars, well, you've now got that cash flow and that backing to create the team internally or outsource, you know, your sales and and marketing. And what's the next stage? Being strategy, innovation, etc. Um, yeah, look, we. I mean, we we say to all our clients, the reality is. In Australia, if you're earning under half a million dollars, it's a sales problem. It's yeah. as simple as that. You know, you, you can look no further in the in the diagnosis. If you're earning less than half a million dollars, it's a sales problem. When you start getting over that point, then you can start looking at other things that, that might be contributing uh, to that problem, you know, the, the, the product placement or the competitive landscape or the economy and all these other things. But reality is it all kind of starts with your ability to communicate your ideas. Well, I guess a good question then is, you know, if people are in that boat, if they are plateaued, if if they're not, if something's not going right, well, you know, where 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 do you find a lot of people go wrong? Uh, in terms of business or sales, specific? yeah, yes. Yeah. Let's talk specifically about sales. Okay, well, well, you know, the the number one problem that that you'll hear, and I, I kind of feel a little bit like a broken record, but without going into the specifics of a of an industry or a business, the number one problem that that most people uh, show up with is that they just don't listen. You know, they're they're more interested in in talking than they are learning. You know, there's there's a lot more to be gained by asking a question than making a statement uh, when it comes to dealing with with customers and. A lot of people who aren't trained properly don't realize that. They don't know which questions to ask or to ask them at all. And it leaves it leaves this sort of perpetual uh, confusion because they look at their product and they say, well, we've got a really great product. They look at their current customers and they say, well, they're all really happy too. So how come we can't get any more people on board? And it almost always comes down to the way people, the way businesses put out their product. It's, it's less about figuring out what they're, customers want and need and more about 
trying to force what I'm thinking on you, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a bit like they, they get up there and they do a bit of a dance. Look at me. This is me. This is who I am. This is my product. Buy it, buy it, buy it. And then surprise, surprise, no one buys it. And this, you know, they're standing there twiddling their thumbs. Why isn't anyone buying my product? Well, how about you start asking them some questions to find out, you know, who they are, what they what they need, what are their pain points, what are they doing well, what aren't they doing well, and does your product help them get to that next, you know, that next where they want to get to that future point? So the, it reminds me of uh, so one of one of the great leaders in this space is uh, Oren Claff. Oren's known for for uh, his, his book. It's called Pitch Anything. He's got a, a sales method that we talk about in Mass Persuasion called the Strong Method, and uh, in it he he talks about this thing called frame control, uh, and one of, and the premise is that people will spend a lot of time giving up control, energetic control to, to the, the, the customer. And one of the ways that they do that is by trying to convince the customer that their product's right, whereas um, he, he makes a really excellent point that what you really should be doing is qualifying the customer and, the, and it should be the customer who's qualifying themselves to you. You know, if you put the, the frame of the engagement, and there are very specific ways that you can do this, but if you can set up the engagement in such a way where the customer is coming and trying to convince you why they should be buying your product, it's just a much more empowering, um, you know, situation or frame that, that for you to, you know, move an idea forward or move a concept forward. And the businesses that do this well, it shows up in a, in a lot of areas. It shows up in their bank account. It shows up in their fulfillment and their enjoyment of actually doing the job, so I, it's it's rare to see that. In fact, some of the some of the business, um, sorry, small business digital marketers are now starting to to become really savvy to this. Um, there's a, a guy that that I know quite well, uh, Chris Duncan, absolute superstar, great coach, really good um, business mentor, young guy, and he's got this wonderful process where people. Uh, literally have to call him up and convince him why he should be their coach. And I just think it's absolutely brilliant because it's it's legitimate. You know, it, it connects a customer to their motivations and makes sure his time isn't being wasted. And I feel like there's a lesson that can be learned there for all small businesses, no matter what product you're selling. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, that reminds me of someone we both know, Taki Moore. And when he first jumps on a call, you know, his question is, you know, why me and why now? And yeah, it's that same yeah. pre-qualifying, what's going on is similar to what you said, similar to Chris. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's that same concept. And so that that frame control uh is is a really important uh is a really important element. And you know, without it, this is why people uh, often have the misconception that they hate selling and they hate sales. It's probably because they're doing it wrong. In fact, if you're not having fun while you're selling, it means you don't have a system or you're just doing it wrong. I completely that, that you just took the words out of my mouth about you know it it being fun because a lot of people don't find it fun and I I know I didn't find it fun if anything it was a bit daunting the phone the phone scared me you know a little bit and since you know working with you and and, and working through mass persuasion um, it it can be fun you know you you have this wealth of knowledge and you know a lot of us just want to give that to people we want to either um, implement it or, or or work with them. This is just making that that medium, you know, a, a lot simpler. And I guess, you know, um, 
something that will flow on nicely from here is is something that that I'm lear- I've learned um, and it and it forms part of, of of mass persuasion and the initial part of a sales process, which is you know curiosity and empowerment. So you know why these two points: curiosity, empowerment. You know what are they and why why are they important and why why do, why should they happen at the start of the conversation? What's that going to do for you? Okay, so this is a really great. Uh, this is a really great question, and it's it's super useful. This is a system that I, I learned from uh, a guy named Kane Minkus, who learned from his um, executive coach, uh, a woman named Mary Jo, uh, in the US. And it's the, the the whole concept is called is the it's called the five experiences. It's effectively five experiences that every person needs to go through before they'll shift the behavior or they'll change their mind about something. And the first two, which Super, super important is, as you said, curiosity empowerment. People won't move forward unless they've got a degree of curiosity. Now, the risk is if you don't generate this curiosity up front, you can push through and the for the customer, the experience, if they don't have any curiosity about what you're talking about and you continue to talk about it anyway, then they have the experience of either A, wanting to, you know, bail at the first opportunity that they get. I'm sure you've been at a party before and you've found yourself being talked at by Uncle John and his latest fishing trip, which you've got no interest in, you know, and you all you're doing is looking for an escape route, right? Okay. Um, and it's the same with customers. Customers have this all the time. Cold callers ringing up, hi, my name is, and, you know, I just start talking for three minutes without a breath, you know, without catching some degree of, of curiosity before I move forward or some permission, you know, like would you be curious to have a conversation with me about, you know, how we can double your income in the next two months, you know, and, and if the answer is no, I've got no interest in that, well, then maybe, you know, you've got one of two options. You can either continue to talk about it anyway or you can find something that the customer is actually interested in. So curiosity is a really important starting point. And I think intrinsically we know as humans when someone's not interested in what we're saying. And, you know, there's this terrible habit that when people are uncomfortable having realized that, that they talk anyway, you know, out of nervousness. Have you ever been in that situation where you, you don't know what to say, you know you're not kicking goals, so you just talk twice as fast? Have yeah. you been- yeah, and you almost speed up. Just, uh, you speed oh, up. If I, if I talk quicker and I tell them more, that's going to get me out of it. It's going to help. <laughs> Let me tell you more about this stuff you've got no interest in because <laughs> maybe that will make you interested. Yeah. yeah. So that's the first thing, you know, being able to take a step back and qualifying that what I'm talking to you about is in fact in line with something that you're curious about. You know, that's a really important standing point. So the second thing that you said is empowerment. Now, people need to feel that they can actually make a decision. It's an incredibly empowering feeling, the feeling of being able to make a decision. This is one of my favorites because it's a very simple line that you can use every single time. Do you want a really simple line that you can use every single time? You can qualify anybody and make them feel empowered all in one hit? Do it. Give it to us. All right, here we go. It's very simple. You ready? Assuming that we work together, is there anybody else that needs to be involved in the decision-making process? That's great. That's it. Yeah. It's fantastic. And since I learned this line, I've probably used it with every single client that I've ever worked with since. Did I, I say I, since twice? I think I might. But, you know, I've worked, I've used it every single time because it's such an important uh, qualifying question. We, Assuming we, that we worked it, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you can say since twice because it's so important, then, you know, you need to double <laughs> emphasize the since on it. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> so, you know, it's, assuming that we work together, the first part of the sentence 
already presupposes that there's going to be a positive outcome at the end of this conversation. And by the way, I, I use this, this line, this exact phrase, within the first couple of minutes of meeting someone. I don't care if I'm meeting a billion-dollar billionaire, billion-dollar billionaire, billion-dollar executive as well. Billion-dollar executive, so an executive who manages a billion-dollar company, uh, or I'm, I'm, you know, it's a, a million-dollar or half-million-dollar small business. doesn't matter. One of the first questions I'll ask is, assuming that we work together, is there anybody else that needs to be involved in the decision-making process? Now, what that does is it presupposes that there is an outcome, which is good, but it also gives me some very important information. If there is someone else who needs to be involved in the decision-making process, are they, you know, are they present in this conversation? If they're not, immediately I'll put the brakes on. I won't go any further. I'll talk to this person to find out what motivates them and, I'll, you know, what, what value they're trying to get out from the, the engagement should it go forward. But then I'll bail, and this is that will literally be a 10-minute call maximum. There's no way I'll go any further into the sales process if they're not all of the decision makers or the, the sole decision makers. Does that make sense? That's an incredibly important point that a lot of salespeople uh, screw up. They pitch the wrong person. Yeah, definitely. And I know since I've implemented it, it's, it's not only, I guess, saved me time when, when you can identify, well, if they're not curious about anything that's going to apply to me, my product, what I can help them with, or I don't have all the decision makers there, well, there's no point sitting on the phone for another hour, waste my time and waste their time to achieve nothing. And I know you've got a funny story about this, and I've actually got a, a funny story, but you know, we'll make you tell yours in a second. Um, <laughs> just on empowerment, you know, I remember, um, you know, it's great, uh, you know, the, the, the power of making sure the decision makers are there because, you know, when you tell your, your, your story, it will all come together nicely. But I remember asking you once, well, well, what if it's just a, a solo practitioner and I'm asking, you know, them, them, so tell me if we're to work together, does anyone else need to be involved in the decision? And they say, no. So you don't need to ask your wife or a business partner or your husband. No, 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 no. So you can make a decision. It's your business. And I remember you, you saying those, basically those exact lines to me. And, and I was sort of thinking, well, yeah, it's their business. Like, okay, we can just move forward. But the point that you emphasized was you're empowering them and, you know, to themselves, you know, even, I guess, subconsciously, they're thinking, yeah, it is my business. I run it. I make the decisions. Let's go. And that's, you're yeah. spot on. And this is precisely why we call this stage the empowerment stage, because it's not just the information that we're getting. It's, it's, it's an incredibly empowering feeling for a business owner to be able to remind themselves that they own the business, you know, to bring it consciously to the forefront to say, no, I am the sole decision maker. That's a wonderful experience. You know, it's, it's like, you know, if I mean, just put yourself in the situation. You walk into a store and say, you know, is there anyone you need to ask, you know, is there anybody else who needs to be involved in the decision-making process for buying this pair of shoes? You know, you the feeling of being able to say, nope, there's just me. It's In just those words, even if you don't say them, it's a reflection of all the hard work that you've done in your life that's got you to this point where you can make a decision to buy a pair of shoes or go on holidays without having to ask anybody, without having any it's, – it's, that's the empowerment. That's, that's the feeling that we want to consciously bring forward. And also we want to remind you that you can actually make a decision. You know, you can actually make a decision because one of the, the pro probably the biggest killer of all sales is that indecision, right? It's that, it's that, that kind of inertia. When people aren't moving, they stay not moving. And it's very difficult to overcome 
unless you use these sorts of strategies to get people into the rhythm of, of but now that doesn't mean that people are going to buy things that they don't want to buy. In fact, you should never sell someone something that they don't need or don't want. Absolutely not. But what it does do is remind them, if this is something that, that, uh, that meets a, a desire or a need that you have, you are actually in a place where you can make a decision. I just want to seed that in right here at the start of the conversation so that when we get to it later, you'll know about it. So it's all selling is very unconscious. You know, most of most of life, most of living life is unconscious. There's a lot more that goes on, you know, in your unconscious mind uh, than there is consciously. But selling is about finding that thread and and hitting those those uh, points that we need to trigger so that when we get to the point of asking for the business, someone's prepped and ready to to move forward. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And you know, they're all super, you know, important points and. You know, I guess looking back now on on what we've spoken about, you know, this for our listeners out there, you know, this content is is going to be gold, and and you know, it's the sort of it's the sort of content you could go back and and listen to multiple times, and but but you know, um, a big thing in in business is you know, and is making quick decisions um, and and taking action, and you know, that's that's what I want listeners to do that's what i want you to do is 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 take some of this context some of these little strategies even if it's just at the start of the conversation um you know um you know finding out what what are they curious about and and, and empowering them and finding out are there any more decision makers you know that's 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 just going to be the 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 first step in you know improving or or creating a process and you know uh, dave you and i both know that if, if we were to implement um, you know, just one thing from every seminar, every book with every expert we've spoken to, yeah. we would have the best lives, best businesses going around. And it's that taking action and just implementing it that, you know, we get sidetracked, life's, life's busy. So, um, you know, let's, let's try and wrap this up uh, because we could, ke- we could keep talking. That's not the issue here. <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep, keep these podcasts, you know, condensed. I can definitely see us getting on a call again. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to hear feedback. So, guys, if you're loving this, you know, jump on the blog, um, you know, go to BJT Financial. Um, the, the show notes will be there. I'll be able to link through to Dave. Um, he'll tell us in a moment, you know, where you can find out more about him. But also some of the other stuff that we've spoken about you know some of the other experts, um, some of the some of the books that, that um, and you know and seminars and products Dave's reference to. One little tip that I want to throw in at the end that I learned years ago. I learned uh, you know when I first started in business, I, I I brought a coach on board. That again is another conversation about you know coaching and 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 you know how much they can accelerate your personal and business life. You've got it, no doubt. Yeah, for sure, and and. I learned a very simple sales process, um, you know, with this coach, and then you know, I guess the next stage from there was I learned a little bit more of an advanced process from from Kerr and Ray. That again is another conversation. And then you know, since since meeting you know Dave actually at that Kerr and Ray function, um, and 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 from then to now, you know, it's it's gone from leaps and bounds. My tip is, I know it's something Dave love, and it's called Bam Fam. And it stands for book a meeting from a meeting. So when you think about a lot of meetings you have, it could be face-to-face, it could be at a networking function, it could be on the phone. A lot of us finish up the call with, okay, well, I'll send you this document, you know, just have a read over it. Or, you know, let's chat again soon. Or it's almost just like an off-the-cuff, you know, when people ask you, how, how are you going? Most people will say, good. 
Now, that could mean you're absolutely amazing with a perfect bill of health, or it could mean you are horribly sick. People will usually just say good, not that they feel good, it's just an automatic response. And so that's sort of how we end a lot of a lot of conversations. So one tip I want you to implement is at the end of it, be specific, which means you've got to do a tiny bit of homework before the meeting um, and say to them, look, if I can send you this proposal by Thursday, do you think you'll have a chance to look at it over the weekend? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, how about I give you a call on Monday? What works for you, morning or Arvo? Arvo, cool. I've got some time, two or four. Four, cool. We'll go through it then. So you've actually booked in the next step, which I think is is really powerful and it adds some accountability you know, around it. Dave, is that you know something you agree with? 100%, 1 million percent. You know, having specific uh, having a specific next action is so, so important in, in not only prospecting, in leads, in digital marketing, in, you know, offline direct. It's just so important, you know, having very clear um, calls to action. In fact, if you just took that that uh, strategy and a couple of the questions that we've referred to th- throughout this and implement it, you're going to start having much more meaningful engagements with your clients immediately, like as in starting today. And that's the cool thing about selling. Most of the most of the strategies and techniques are incredibly simple to implement if you just if you just know them. You know, it's just about knowing them. Yeah, for, yes, for sure. Well, mate, tell everyone where can they find out more about you? Where they where can they go to interact with you? Yeah, sure. Well, well, look, our obviously our, our flagship product is Mass Persuasion, which is our home study sales uh, sales course. Uh, but you know, if if you haven't worked with us before, I'd probably suggest that you just go to our site and digest our our free resources. We've got a bunch of free resources uh, and free trainings on sales, just getting you started. And uh, so, if you just go to www.davidcivelli.com, uh, you'll find a, a a whole lot of things there, and there's information about mass persuasion and a couple of our other programs. Uh, and there's also ways to to get in touch with us. One of the things that we're really uh, committed to is that anybody who comes into our community can access everybody in our team, including myself. So, you know, if you jump on our Facebook group um, or, you know, come to our website and you book calls, you, you're often talking directly to me. Or if, you know, you're talking about productizing or something, you'll talk to our product experts directly rather than, you know, uh, paid assistance or something. So that's something that we're really, we're pretty committed to. So, if, yeah, if you go to davidcivelli.com, have a read, have a poke around, download some stuff and, you know, get in contact with us. For sure, guys, go check it out. I'll be putting all of that in the show notes as well, linking through to it. Um, So make sure you go and check him out. Dave, thanks for chatting to me today. My pleasure, Brad.